Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Alam. I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus. I trust you and your family. You are doing well and you are blessed. Praise God. Uh, we are talking about the blood covenant and um, the past couple of days we have been talking about how Jesus himself is our peace because in uh, in the in the old covenant we have the promise of you have a shaman which the Lord said I am your peace and in the new covenant Jesus Christ himself is our peace so we we were talking about that and so uh, the last scripture I read to you was Romans chapter 12 verses 17 to 18 where it says repay no one evil for evil but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all if possible so far as it depends upon you live peaceably with all and uh, you know i i think i shared a testimony with you uh, because sometimes conflicts are inevitable and i was in a church and i was i ended up in a in a in a conflict situation i i'm usually a person who avoids conflict avoids uh, confrontation and uh, I, I, I actually hate confrontation uh, but some people seem to thrive in it you know <laughs> not me uh, uh, because uh, you know when um, when um, uh, well in in my past uh, before I got saved there were times uh, because of my work I had to be very hard with people and I hated it because uh, I learned one thing I learned that it was uh, it was very unpleasant to hurt people and because you could be wrong also and many times i have uh, been in situations as a as a leader as a christian leader where i've had had to dis, uh, discipline people and i remember the first time um, i had to discipline somebody and deal with somebody who had done something very wrong and i had to be very strong uh, with, with that person i just it was a situation i just couldn't let it pass but i remember how hard it was for me because uh, I, I mean, I, I knew this had to be done, but I, I, I dreaded it. And so uh, I prayed and as I was praying to seeking the Lord's counsel and the Lord's guidance in the matter, you know, it just crossed my mind, it just came to my heart. How many times I had failed and the Lord had dealt with me with mercy. It just came to me and I thought, I who have received so much of mercy, I who have received so much of grace from God and I have failed and uh, made so many mistakes in my life, uh, who am I to, uh, to, uh, to come down hard on this person? So, but I remember it was something that just had to be done. So I remember it's like uh, until the point I actually sat down with that person and, uh, and, and, and dealt with him, I, it seems to me I died a thousand deaths. I died a thousand times before because I, I remembered how many times I had received mercy from God. And so when I sat with this person, um, I did bring out that which was wrong. But at the same time, I said, I also said to that person that, listen, I love you. I believe in you. I don't want to ruin your life. I don't want to kick you out, but I want you to, uh, I want to restore you. I want to help you. And then from that point onward, I, I, uh, I actually worked alongside that person to restore him. And that is one thing I learned um, that over the years that uh, 
no matter what wrong people do when it comes to discipline, Christian discipline, church discipline, even if it is for very wrong things people have done, uh, uh, discipline, the goal of discipline should be not punitive, but it should be restorative. That uh, the reason we, we, we discipline people is not to punish people, but it is to restore them. And that we must always keep that in mind, that no matter how, what wrong people do to us, or to God's work. You know, there are different levels. People can do wrong to us personally, or people can do wrong to a ministry, but our goal should always be to restore them and not to punish them. And uh, uh, so we, we have to remember that. And when it comes to personal conflicts, you know, it says that don't repay evil for evil. We have to repay people with good because the, the Bible also says that uh, uh, that overcome evil with good. When we repay evil with evil, we do not win. Nobody wins when people repay evil with evil, but we repay people with good. That is when everybody wins, when we repay e uh, evil with good. And then it says, as possible, so far as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all. you. I mean, you and I, we should make it our utmost effort to live at peace with other people. So, you know, I can give you many such examples. And um, I had uh, I had one guy uh, on on my uh, on my team. This was years ago, and uh, he 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 committed immorality. We were on the field, and he committed immorality, and he fathered a child with a pastor's daughter while we were preparing a crusade. Well, when this was brought to my notice. Uh, suddenly, you know, at first, uh, I just refused to believe it. I thought nobody's capable of doing such a thing. So anyway, so I, this is just to give you an example. I'm not mentioning uh, mentioning any names, and uh, but I just want to give you an example uh, of 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 how we how we repay evil with good. And <clears throat> well, what happened was that I I dealt with him, and then he finally admitted it, and he. He cried and he confessed and he sinned. So I said, listen, I don't want to fire you, but I want to work with you. I want to discipline you. I want to help you. So I actually worked with him and uh, then we we restored him. You know, we, we restored him. Well, after we restored him, he, um, he did well for some time. Then after some time, he stole money from the ministry. And when he did that, I, I was very hurt because it helped him the first time. So I, 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 this, this time I had to let him go. I said, listen, brother, I just, I just have to let you go. I mean, I can't have this in our ministry. You know, we committed adultery and I helped you and now you stole money. And anyway, so the, he left. Anyway, so I gave him another chance of... Uh, Wait, waited and restored him again. Then I brought him back again. Because again, I thought, how many times hasn't, hasn't the Lord been good with me and has forgiven me? So anyway, I, uh, I, I mean, I never stole money or anything of that sort. I never did those things. But still, sin is still sin. Doesn't matter the gravity of the sin. So I restored him, brought him back. And uh, uh, this time, uh, no, what happened what, what was that I... Uh, he went. He was out for six months. So uh, then one day uh, he he came back to me. 
you know, he didn't, I didn't put him through a process of restoration when I told him I want you to leave. He got very angry and he left. And then he left. And then I didn't see him or hear from him again. But then about, I think six months later, he came back. He came to our office and he was shouting, yelling at me, calling me names. He was wearing a three-piece suit carrying a briefcase and he demanded money that we had to pay him or he'd take me to the Zimbabwean government. And you know, the government there always sides with the locals. The courts there always side with the local against the foreigner. And he said, I'll get your ministry shut down. You are racist. I mean, just call me all kinds of names. So I just sat quietly and listened to him in my office and Pastor Mavondo, my team leader, was sitting next to me. I said to Pastor Mavondo, I said, Pastor Mavondo, let's do this. Open the safe, whatever money is there, just give it to him and make him sign a letter that he'll never come here again and we'll never see his face again. And Pastor Mavondo said, okay. The moment he said that, the guy burst into tears. He said, Pastor, please don't do that. Don't do that. I don't know what came over me. Why I misbehaved with you. I was disrespectful to you. I called you all these names. Uh, please don't tell me never to see you again because you're, this is what he said. You're the only one who's ever loved me like a father has, has, has spoke. You are the only one who has ever spoken into my life. And no, and since I left the ministry, no one has helped me. Uh, I, I have nobody. And then he says, my wife, my house was broken into, my things were stolen and my, my wife was uh, she got sick, she got cancer, she's in the hospital right now, I can't pay the hospital bills and I'm desperate and he just, then then he actually fell off the chair on the ground and he curled up on the ground and he cried like a baby. I mean, one moment he was shouting me, cursing me, now he's crying like a baby. And when he, I was stunned and I looked at him and, and he, he's sitting there on the ground across the table weeping and Pastor Mabondo is looking at me and at that moment, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what, what should I do with this guy? What, what should I do with him? Then this is what the Lord said to me. Now, you might not agree with me, but this is what God said to me. He said to me, what would you expect me to do to you if you were the one sitting, uh, laying on the floor and crying and I was sitting on your chair? What would you want me to do to you? And the moment he said that, it really struck me and I began to weep and Pastor Mabondo began to weep and now there are three of us <laughs> crying there. So I get up and I walk around the table, walk to him. I said, hey, brother, stand up. And I hugged him and I told him how much I loved him, that I had nothing against him. And I said, listen, this is what I want you to do for you. I said, these six months you have been gone, I will give you back pay. I will pay you whatever uh, uh, I would have paid you if you were still with us. I will give you that. You have your old job back and I will pay your wife's hospital bills. I will take care of everything and all your bills, everything that was stolen, I will restore it to you. You have not lost anything, but tomorrow I want you to be back at the crusade. And uh, do I regret doing that? No, a thousand times no. I have no regrets doing that because you see, when we follow Jesus, we follow peace and we show unconditional love. And uh, often, you know, I've often had to deal with people, make hard decisions with people. And uh, then there came a guy when this guy did something wrong again. And then I had, I really, really had to dismiss him and fire him. 
And people said to me, you know, you were foolish. You should have fired him the first time. Uh, you have to fire him now. Well, now he has disappeared from my life. I don't know where he is. I mean, I know where he is, which country he's in, but I've had no contact with him. But, but here's the thing. Do I regret taking him back and loving on him and restoring him and blessing him? No, 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 no. God does not regret all the times he has mercy on us and he forgives us and he restores us. God doesn't, even if we, the Bible says, even we are faithless, he is still faithful. And so we have to, uh, you know, when it says, repay no one for evil, uh, no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all, if possible, uh, so far as it depends upon you, live peaceably at all. You know, the tendency of the flesh is, is we, 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 we react in the flesh and we cut people off and, and all that. And I understand that because I used to do that, okay? Uh, I have done that before. But then I realized that we have to reflect the character of Christ to the utmost. And, uh, and, and so that is, I want you to consider that we have to reflect the character of Christ to the utmost. And many times I have in my zeal to be loving with people and to restore people and they have stabbed me in the back again and again. I've done that again. Uh, have I regretted it? No, I have not. Secondly, have I ever suffered any long-term loss because I have loved people? No, I have not. I really have never suffered loss. I have only gained. Once there was a guy, he in Africa, he sued my ministry for $10,000 and I was told by our lawyer, just pay him. Otherwise the government, uh, the courts will ask you for more money. So I paid him back. And uh, then of course, his life took a, uh, you know, he went into a nosedive and he ended up losing everything. And now during the pandemic, he and his family were starving and the Lord told me, I had forgotten all about him. And the Lord reminded me, the Lord reminded me, send him money, uh, buy him food because I was buying food for pastors. And the Lord told me, no matter he has done, just love on him and buy him food. So I called my team. I said, put him on the list of pastors who are getting food and let us buy him food. So, you know, we should repay evil for good. No matter what people do to us, let us repay them with good. And I can guarantee you one thing after 44 years in ministry that I, firstly, I have never, never regretted being uh, when I have repaid evil with good. And secondly, I have never suffered uh, because sometimes there's this fear. Well, this guy is so bad. If I'm good to him, he'll come and do this again. No, well, I have done it and I have never suffered any loss. I mean, I had a guy who stole tens of thousands of dollars from the ministry in Burma and uh, and uh, and then he, he took the money and took off and it, it was I was heartbroken because it was money people donated, uh, you know, to the ministry by the people. But did our ministry suffer loss in the sense that we lost everything? We suffered a major financial setback. No, 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 no. Because when we walk in love, when we strive to follow the way of the cross, even if people think we are wrong in doing so, believe me, we will never lose. We will only win. Every time people have stabbed me in the back and I have retaliated in the flesh, that is when I have suffered. But I have learned better as I grow older. You know, sometimes really listen, I wish 
I, when I was younger, I had learned some of these things I have learned now about life. I wish I didn't retaliate in the flesh when I was 30 years old because I was, I used to retaliate in the, in the flesh. And, uh, uh, but, 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 I, but, but, but when I learned with my life to, to, uh, to strive to the utmost to show the character of Jesus, I have never lost anything, but I have gained and I have been blessed both personally and in my ministry. Amen. And it says, as far as we can, live peaceably with all, live at peace with everybody. Do your best to live at peace. Even if they don't, you do your best. And the Bible says, bless them that curse you. And, you know, my greatest example of this was uh, uh, Dad Hagen, Brother uh, Reverend Kenneth e. Hagen, who was like my spiritual father. You know, all these years, people wrote terrible articles about him. They called him a false prophet. They called him... Um, Terrible, terrible things, you know, over the time. I'm a, 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 but, but he never, he never retaliated. Never. I mean, there were charismatic people and people from my own fellowship, the Assemblies of God at that time, you know, they called him false prophet. They called him, oh my goodness, people called him all kinds of things. Even now on the internet, although he's been dead and gone for many, many years, there's still people who, who just can't, uh, you know, stop vilifying him and vilifying a dead man. I mean, but but I remember when he was alive, he never retaliated. He never defended himself. He never said anything in his defense, either privately or publicly. I could sit with him in, in private when people had said terrible things to him. He would never bring it up, but he would pray for people. He would love people, and 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 he just uh, he just loved people. He prayed for people, and I, and in a way, to the extent that you would think that was his greatest weakness, you know, that he never confronted people, and uh, and when he should have. But but you know what? He he prayed for people, and he uh, he never retaliated, never defended himself, but he walked the walk of Jesus, and and that is my example because. It's easy to shout. It's easy to start shouting and yelling at people and retaliate and hit back and, 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 and all that. And now we have the election campaigns and that's what the politicians are doing, you know. Uh, people calling out our president by name, attacking them. And our president also calling out people by name and attacking them and they're attacking him. And everybody's doing so back and forth and Christians on Facebook internet attacking people and somehow uh, I feel like if Jesus was alive today that's not not what he would be doing but he stayed out of the fray he loved people he preached the kingdom of God preached the gospel preached the word of God healed the sick cast out devils did the works of Jesus and that is what we should be like as Christians he says as far as it depends upon you live peaceably with all let us live in peace because Jesus himself is our peace. If there's one thing that the world doesn't have, it's peace, it's peace. People are in this conflict everywhere, conflict between individuals, conflict between groups, conflict between nations, And but Jesus is our peace and he came with peace. He said, my peace I give unto you, praise God. And in John 14, uh, 27, he says, my peace I leave, leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He said, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. 
Do not be afraid. My peace I give unto you. Now Ephesians 2 verses 11 to 17. It says, therefore remember that ye in time past gentle, Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. So <clears throat> it means that he's writing to the Gentile church, you know, in, in Ephesus. He says, you who were Gentiles in the flesh, in the flesh, you were Gentiles. He says, and those, uh, the Israelites, they used to call you the uncircumcised ones because they were the ones circumcised in the flesh. Because he's saying this in the flesh, Gentiles in the flesh, because uh, uh, there is, uh, uh, that's in the flesh, you know, Gentiles in the flesh. But we are Israelites in the spirit. We are children of God in the spirit. So when we are in the spirit, we are no longer Gentiles, but we are children of God. And then it says circumcision of the flesh, because there's a circumcision of the spirit also. When, it, when, it, when we commit our lives to Jesus, we are circumcised in the spirit. So he's talking about the circumcision of the flesh. And we were Gentiles in the flesh and those who are circumcised in the flesh. They called us the uncircumcised, the heathen. Then he says, verse 12, and at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So he says, at that time, we, that's you and me, Gentiles, we were without Christ. And we were aliens, that means we were outsiders from the common, outsiders of the commonwealth of Israel. And we were strangers, we were, we were, we were outside of the, of the covenants of promise. He's talking about the old covenant. We were outside of the covenant of promise. And then it says, you were without hope. We were without hope. We had no hope. And without God in the world, we were outside and we were without God. We had no God. Now, you know, let, let, let me tell you this, Paul, is, but you know, you see, Europe prides itself in the Renaissance and the culture and the arts. And even today you go to Europe, you see the buildings and all that and the arts and the statues. But, you know, you can have all that and still be without hope and without God in the world. And the Bible does say, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You can have education, you can have money, you can have the arts, you can have everything. But if you don't have God, you're without hope. And it says they were far from Jesus, they were without Jesus, and they had no God, no hope. But he says, verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes far off are made near by the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. But now in Jesus, we who were far, we who were, we who were far off, we are made, we are brought near by the blood of Jesus. That means that the blood of Jesus Christ has brought us who were far from God, far from Jesus, without hope, without God in this world. We were separated from the promises of God. God has, through the blood of Jesus, brought us near. Hallelujah. We have been brought near, we who were far, through one thing, through the blood of Jesus. Then it says, verse 14. Now, now that we have been brought near through the blood of Jesus, verse 14 says, for he is our peace. Jesus himself is our peace. 
For us, peace isn't just a, 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 a circumstance or a situation, but Jesus himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us. So who are the both he's talking about? He's talking about the Israelites who looked down on us because we were the uncircumcision, we were the heathens, we were the outsiders. He said, he has brought us together and he has made one and he has removed the middle wall that separated us. Then it says, verse 15, having abolished in his flesh, that means when Jesus was on the cross in his flesh, even the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that means that he abolished in his flesh the enmity and he even abolished the law of commandments contained in ordinances. Now, another thing that separated us from Israel because they had the law of God. We didn't have the law. So Jesus even abolished the law. Abolished in the sense it doesn't mean that the law doesn't exist anymore, but that it no longer divides us because he, uh, in Colossians 2, 14 and 15, it says that how Jesus he, he took those ordinances, that is the law that was against us, and he nailed it to the cross. So when Jesus died on the cross, he nailed the law to the cross so that the law is still of God. It still tells us, uh, the, shows us the character and the holy, holiness of God, but it is no longer our means of salvation or, or our means of holiness. And so the thing that differentiated us from the, from the people of proper Israel was the law, but Jesus abolished the law, took the law away. And when he did that, uh, he made us one and so making peace so that he might. And that is why uh, if you are a Christian, you can never be anti-Semitic. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can never be, uh, you know, I know people who are Christians who, uh, you know, some of these far right groups who hate Jews, who are anti-Semitic, they call themselves Christians. Listen, you know, you can't call yourself a Christian and, and hate the Jewish people. Why? Because through the blood of Jesus, God has made us one. Now, you might not agree, like, like for example, like I don't agree with some of the policies of the government of the state of Israel, okay? That, but that's another thing. But when it comes to the Jewish people and the Jewish people in Israel, wherever they are, they are my brothers because, it, because Jesus has taken away that middle wall of hostility and made us one. So you and I, we can never uh, be anti-Semitic because if we hate them, we hate ourselves. Do, do you understand what I'm trying to say? We have to rem remember that. So you cannot be a so-called Christian and be anti-Semitic. Now, you may not agree with everything that the government does. Now, I am an American citizen. I love America. I don't agree with everything our government does, but I love America and this is my home country. I'm a citizen in Sweden also. I love Sweden. I love the Swedish people uh, because I'm still a citizen there and I have a kind of patriotism there also. I don't, I, although I know I don't live there anymore, but I'm grateful for everything that Sweden has given me. And I disagree with the government in a lot of things, but it doesn't mean that I hate the people. You have to be very, very careful because anti-Semitism Anti-Semitism is when people hate the Jewish people and that is a sin against God because you because 
firstly, God tells us that we should bless them, right? Not only them, but we should bless every nation in the world and we should bless the Jewish people. And secondly, but here it says very clearly that through the blood of Jesus, God has removed that wall of hostility and brought us and made us one. So we have to be very, very, very careful because hatred of the Jewish people, uh, because especially when people say, oh, so-and-so did this, he's Jewish. That is wrong. You cannot do that because we have to be very, very, very careful in these things. We have to show the character of Christ, okay? So it says, uh, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in the ordinance, because, uh, the, you know, that which separated us, the law, he took that away, he abolished that, so he made peace. So verse 16, so that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. So we have come to the cross, but now God's plan is now to bring the, the, the Jewish people to the cross. And that's the next phase. And we must remember that, that, uh, that when we meet uh, the Jewish people and, and us, uh, the enmity is taken away. Uh, uh, where do we meet? Where do we do? Is it, is, do we meet in that we become Jews or we, in, you know, some people think, oh, to love the Jewish people is to incorporate certain Jewish jargon and lingo. So instead of good morning, we say Shalom. Instead of the weekend, we say Shabbat and we wear kippahs and we pray with prayer shawls and we do some, some churches actually think that we must do some Jewish things and blow shofar in the services. No, we don't become one with the Jewish people, with, with the people of Israel. God has made us one through the cross, but where do we meet is at the cross. Because you see, we, we, that he might reconcile both to God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. So God has taken care of all that. Now he has brought the Gentiles to the cross. This is the day of the Gentiles. The Gentiles are coming to the cross. Now we have to bring our Jewish brothers and sisters to the cross. We have to preach the gospel both to the Jews and to the Gentiles. And then when they see Jesus and we see Jesus, we come together. And then that's when the enemy is gone between, you know, Palestinians and Jews and Arabs and Jews and and, and, and people who don't like Jews and people who don't like Muslims, whatever they are, we all come together because of the cross. Because there's one thing about the cross. It is the only thing in the world that can uh, take away enmity and bring people together. Hallelujah. Well, anyway, uh, let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters who have heard the sound of my voice. I ask you to bless them, touch their lives. Use them mightily for your glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, uh, we're going to continue now uh, tomorrow and we're going to continue to talk about uh, peace. Jesus himself is our peace. And uh, uh, if you have been blessed by these lessons, please do drop me a note. Just tell me uh, how the Lord has touched you. God bless you.